totally football show. Today, North London derby, Gunners on a high, but will it be defeat to a Spurs side that can't stay on theirs? While Deli Alley rejects claims he goes down too easily by producing a video showing someone doing the exact same thing to him. We ask, will he have the same issues in the face of Arsenal? Meantime, Chelsea leaving a bitter taste in their mouth is Monday's murder at the Vicarage. Will Conte survive their next trip to West Brom at the Hawthorns? Graveyard for so many managers, mostly their own. Their Swansea 8-1, champagne football with Carvel Hall, Danny Alves in goal, Everett in West Ham, a big mention for Brighton and so much more in the Totally Football Show. And it's a warm welcome from your Totally crew, which today features the sound of the priest. Good morning, James. Good morning to you. He's horny, 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 horny. All night long. All right. <laughs> it's James Horncastle. In your ears, listeners. And also Tom Williams. Hello. Hi, Tom. You rogue, you independent. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's me. Tom is his own boss. Yes, I am. You cover what you want to cover. Oh, yes. Boom. What are you covering this weekend, Tom? Um, I'm not covering anything. Actually, I'm going to watch Colwyn Bay against Atherton Collieries in the Everstick North. Okay. Wow. So, yeah. is it, you have a personal interest in that game, hasn't uh, you? Bay, my local team. Okay. So I'm, I'm spending the weekend back at home with the folks and right. taking a trip to Tonalian Road down memory lane to see the mighty, mighty Seagulls in their push for a playoff place. Seagulls is such a common... Robins, Seagulls. It's one of the, the, the names that just seems to crop up, up and down. It's funny because we'll be talking about football nicknames again mm. later on. Obviously, that was a big part of uh, Monday's show. Mm-hmm. Right now, though, I want to say, hello, Alan Stevens. I'm English, says Alan, and I live in Canada. Incidentally, I run on Monday lunchtime's Totally Football Show and Thursdays as well, if it's available early and my legs let me. Come on, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> Now, off we go then with proper football chat. And first up, after we did our uh, Monday morning show, of course, there was a game at uh, Vicarage Road, which saw major shock, Watford beating Chelsea 4-1. What a start for Javi Gracia there at Vicarage Road. David, what, what, what happened here? It's what Chelsea did themselves. Oh, really? And it, it dispelled the myth that there would be a better side without Bagayoko. Because I thought it was it would have well, I thought it was going to help them when he got sent off. Yeah, but that that was ten men without Bakayoko. Yeah, not. exactly. And it was almost like playing with nine with him. Right. Well, the message boards were ablaze with anti Bakayoko uh, talk, and a lot of people questioning what is Conte up to? Does he actually want to get fired? Why does he keep picking this player? <laughs> does seem to be a lot of brinkmanship going on. I think this is about money in terms of. Uh, Conte because he doesn't want to resign, leave money on the table and likewise Chelsea are not, I think, as uh, prepared as they were in the past to sack managers and pay them off in the way that they did in the past. So, um, But I was struck really by uh, Conte's body language during this game because usually he's prowling the technical area, he's kicking every ball and instead he was just slouched down in his dugout, um, rarely came out. And I must say, I've, I've rarely seen him like that. And uh, again, that just said to me that isn't losing enthusiasm. He still, as he said after the game, he puts 120% into him. But I think uh, he's at a loss really as to the direction this, not the team is going, but certainly the club. Mm. I mean, he's... I'm getting mixed messages from you here though, Jones. Do you think he's fully committed to the Chelsea campaign or do you think he is actually trying to get the old TIFO and head off safely back to Italy. Someone was asking the other day, where do you see Conte next? Does he want PSG? Does he want uh, Real Madrid? And the answer was, he just wants to get out of Chelsea. Really? Um, I think from his point of view, as, as, a, as a serial winner, 
He hates losing. He hates it. I, I know you can say that a lot about these top managers with their big egos, but he really takes it to heart. And I think he looks at it and he thinks the title race is gone. I think he would be a professional and look to get this team into the Champions League. But at mm. the same time, I think looking beyond this season, he's very much, there's no point me sticking around because the strategy at Chelsea has changed um, so much um, that in terms of net spend, we're not going to be able to compete with Manchester United, Manchester City. I think the players know that. I think it is very different to the situation Mourinho found himself in a couple of years ago where you had that so-called palpable discord between him and the players. I don't think... Um, there is there is an issue between Conte and his team. I think it's more the disconnect between him and and, and the powers that be above him. David, well, I, I just think I get the sense that Conte is there's a kind of a, I don't like an ambivalence towards things now because he doesn't feel it's his side, and you can see that when he's interviewed after new signings come into the club, he's not really excited about them. They're thinking what he's, he's saying, well, yes, they're good players, but underlying they're not his players or the players that he would. How want. do you feel about that attitude, David? Do you think that's fair in his position? Well, Is it a little yeah, bit like Riyad Mahrez? Because, going, because if, not... if, they're, if they're losing games and they're his players, then yeah. you, you take full responsibility. But if they're, if they're not your players and not the one you want and you still get beat, you still get all the blame as well. Yeah, but he's the coach. He accepts all that money to coach this the side that he's provided with. I don't know. Seems it, a little it, bit It is quite telling to. that in the latest uh, two signings, the unveilings, he did not appear at them. And it was, it was Marina Granovskaya who was holding the shirt up beside them. Conte was nowhere to be seen. And when and he was I asked about Palmieri, he said, no, I don't remember him. Yeah, which I find <laughs> I find bemusing. I, yeah. I, of course he knows who he is. I think of the of the targets that will have been put to him, he will have known most about him and would have pushed for him. Um, so, yeah, it's surprising. I think everyone's looking ahead to this, what, Chelsea-Barcelona game? I think... Assuming as he, he survives West Brom. Well, yeah, unlike Di Matteo and uh, Villas-Boas. Exactly. Um, but I think uh, a perhaps more influential game in the Champions League uh, with regard to his future will be what happens between PSG and Real Madrid. Ooh. Mm. Mm. I like that. Uh, Tom, Watford though, eh? Watford, only their second win in how many? 13, 13 it, says, it says here in the league. Yep. Um, and yeah, very good value for it. Um, Deo Lefeo. Yeah, very, very good. Um, and, and in fairness to them as well, I mean, they were very good value for their lead initially and then were pegged back with that fantastic Eden Hazard goal and you thought, oh, well, you know, what would have had a go here? But they, you know, um, got their foot on the ball, pushed Chelsea back down the pitch and ended up running out quite comfortably. I thought what was very illustrative of, um, of of their performance and how good it was and contrasted very starkly with how poor Chelsea was, was the display of um, Abdoulaye Doucouré, who is having a fantastic season, who on top of absolutely bossing the midfield for Watford, is scoring goals um, and Timoe Bakayoko was signed to do perhaps not score goals, but signed to have a similar impact at Chelsea mm. and produce one of the worst half half hour performances I think I've ever seen from a Premier League footballer. Okay. And it, it, you were almost relieved when he got sent off mm. because at least he could go and sit in the changing room he, he was, he and he wasn't giving the ball away anymore. He, he wasn't given a red card. I thought he asked for one. Did he? Yeah, that's yeah. what it looked a like. A cry for help. Right. If anything. Is it? I mean, you say a cry for help. Is it a little bit unfortunate his situation given that He's been dropped in at the deep end because the club sold Matic. He's he's a young man in a new league, and 
maybe the thinking was that he could come in and learn from Matic. Mm. But I mean, it was it was an odd signing. It was it was it struck me as almost a bit of a Real Madrid signing in that we've got this holding midfielder in Matic who mm. is very good and who was just helped us win win the league title. And yes, he has this unfortunate habit of fading a bit in, in the second parts of seasons but he is demonstrably a proven Premier League performer but ah, there's this guy Bakayoko who's just won the league with Monaco and everyone's talking about him we'll get him at Champions League semi-final and, and had a you know had an excellent season mm. let's get him instead um, you know sell Matic bring in Bakayoko and he's being plonked into this midfield alongside Conte and being asked to do a lot more than he was being asked to do at Monaco I think in terms of you know getting the team moving forward um, and Sadly, his his confidence just looks a little bit shot and you, you wonder whether he probably will benefit now from a bit of time out of the team. Anyway, Chelsea next up have to go to West Brom, which, as we mentioned, has been a fateful destination for more than one Chelsea manager in the past. West Brom currently four from safety, minus, you know, they're four points off, off safety. Hey, Tom. Not just Chelsea managers. I've got a list here of, oh, of managers who've lost their jobs directly after playing West Brom in recent years. The Hawthorns Triangle. Also includes Mick McCarthy yep. uh, at Wolves, um, AVB and Di Matteo, as we've mentioned, Paolo mm. Di Canio at Sunderland, Chris mm. Hewton when he was at Norwich, and Craig Shakespeare when he was at Leicester. Wow. All played West Brom in their, in their final games before the chop. Wow. And Sir Alex Ferguson. Slightly different circumstances, <laughs> but yes, yes. Just saying. Uh, Chelsea, as we mentioned, have to worry about their top four status. One point ahead of Spurs now. And you look what's sandwiched between those Barcelona games. I they have to you. go to Manchester twice. Away to United, away at City, home to Palace. Mm. Uh, Watford, meanwhile, this weekend, uh, are taking on a West Ham team who are three points above the drop. Watford, with Monday's win, have uh, established a six-point cushion between themselves and the bottom three. West Ham have just signed Patrice Evra. Yeah. Tom, you've been all over his recent antics. At Marseille, where, of course, he got banned for kicking a, a supporter in the head. I think this was a kick in the head for uh, <laughs> West Ham supporters now. <laughs> Wondering what are our team doing here? We're just a retirement home for fullbacks. No. Pablo Zabaleta. Ever- no, I mean, come on. Should they not be excited about the arrival no. of Patrice Evra? Tom. I mean, Instagram. it's, I think, from a from a banter perspective, yep. from an Instagram perspective, uh-huh. um, I thought the hashtag they used for it was great. What for was e- that? For Evra blowing bubbles. Oh, that's nice. Oh. So that's that's these are all nice touches. I wouldn't no. be surprised if they just signed him off the back of that, just so they can get the yeah. hashtag. I, I don't see Evra bringing anything on the pitch. I mean, he was, <laughs> history will record that he left Marseille because he kicked one of his own supporters and this yep. is true but even before that he'd lost his place in the Marseille team to, to Jordan Amavi and when he had played he was disastrous you know I mean this after he'd I think it was after he'd um, he'd left Marseille this this uh, he put this video on Instagram of him training by like pulling a uh, like a small truck in the desert shame he's not shame he's not at Spurs because then he could train with lorries Oh, hey. I thought you were going to suggest he'd maybe try out for strongman next year. Yeah, with well, absolutely. Yeah. But maybe he will. Mm. It's the kind of crazy thing he would do. I think so. He looked spent at Marseille. He looked mm. like, you know, his legs had finally given up on him. So he's a, he's a nice guy. He's got a great story. He's still, a, you know, a dedicated pro, but I, I don't see him bringing much from a, from the playing side of things. OK, what about Jordan? Is it Hugel or Hugel? Hugel. I'll go for Hugel. 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 Yeah. Um, maybe we should... No, I'm not going there. Um, friend of the podcast, Daniel Story, writing an interesting piece about West Ham and the Davids, in which he points out that since 2010, the Hammers have signed 34 strikers. It's a lot of strikers. Mm-hmm. 22 of those, so a third, 
have failed to score more than three goals for the club. Mm-hmm. Javi Hernandez, last summer's saviour, has started four league games in the last three months. Those are amazing numbers. You can have 100 strikers, but if you're not giving them any chances or creating them for uh, chances for them, it doesn't make a difference, does it? Mm. Oh, well. Anyway, Watford West Ham is coming up this weekend. We'll take a little bit of a pause there after that broad-ranging discussion. After this, some very, very exciting news. Spurs host Arsenal in the lunchtime kickoff this Saturday, and you know who loves a North London derby? Harry Kane. He's bagged six in his last seven against the Gunners. And with Paddy Power's money-back special, if you place a bet of up to £10 on the game at Wembley, you'll get your stake back as a free bet if Kane finds the net. It doesn't matter if he scores a penalty after a controversial dive, taps it in with his left foot, smashes it home with his right foot, or nods it home after a mistake by the Arsenal defence. And that Harry Kane, he scores all the goals. Head to paddypower.com to find out more. Available on Correct Score, Goal Scorer, and What's Odds Paddy Markets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus only. Be gamblerware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. Ha, <laughs> fooled you, listeners. It's only our Facebook Live quiz which is happening tomorrow at 12.30 GMT. You can take part in it anywhere in the world. We're going to be sat on a very attractive bright green sofa doing a totally football Facebook live quiz. How will it work, Tom? Science. That's how. Uh, I'm not sure, to be fair, but I'm going to be up to speed by the time uh, it all kicks off at facebook.com, The Totally Football Show, at 12.30 GMT tomorrow. There are prizes which include a, a copy of Football Manager 18, which may or may not have been used, I'm not sure. Uh, a 94.95 AC Milan home shirt. It'd be nice Ooh. if that had been used, I'm not sure. That's courtesy of our friends at classicfootballshirts.co.uk. And there may be other prizes as well. Maybe you can have the sofa. Uh, right. Anyway, speaking of important competitions, FA Cup, midweek cup replays. Huddersfield beat Birmingham 4-1. So they're through to the fifth round. Were they playing Huddersfield in the fifth round? Um, uh, oh, Man United. I thought they got Man United. Mm-hmm. That's the only place they can win at the moment, is it, Huddersfield? I think their last three wins... For... Have been at Huddersfield? No, have been in the FA Cup, going back oh, a see. long, long time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, No wins in eight in the league, yeah. Okay, and they've lost yeah. the last five. Was their last win in the league against Man United? Good question. I might have been, because they did beat Man United. They did. Yeah. Last week, uh, anyway, yeah. are they home or away in the Cup to Man United? They are at home, I think. Oh, right. Well, that's... That's interesting. Rochdale, out of League One, are into the fifth round of the FA Cup after beating Millwall 1-0. And they get Spurs. That's the weekend after next. If you'd like to know more about Rochdale and its exciting history, including why Hitler was such a fan of their town hall, a town hall which has a special toilet constructed for, but never used by, Queen Victoria, then you know what what you should do, James? I don't know. Check out the Totally Football League show, Ah. which is up, up at the moment. Also in midweek cup replay news, Swansea, boom. Tom, you're Welsh, aren't you? Uh, correct. Bingo. <laughs> Swansea, 8-1 against Notts County. It's their record victory in the FA Cup, their highest domestic win since 1978. And Nathan Dyer, Tammy Abraham both got a brace. Carl Norton, Wayne Routledge, Tom Carroll, Daniel James scoring as well, young Daniel James. And that means that Carlos Carvajal goes through to the fifth round where, where he takes on the very club that sacked him on Christmas Eve. Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and Swansea going really well. I think they're unbeaten in eight. I mean, quite handy, Tammy Abraham getting that run out and scoring a couple of goals because Wilfred Boney is now out for the season. So he is. they could do with um, with Tammy Abraham getting his uh, getting his goal scoring boots. Yeah. I mean, me, getting his goal scoring boots back on. 
Um, but no, it looks like, you know, Carvajal has come in and, and given the place a big lift. Of You know, they're on this great run. Um, you know, look like they've really turned a corner. It's extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, you talk of new manager bounce, but this is phenomenal what's happening there. But as you said... Swans can fly. Oh, did he say that? He did, yeah. He's so great, isn't he? <laughs> what did we go on? Let's have the full quote because they're always juicy. No, that was that was it. Swans I mean, can he, fly. Yeah, need he say more? All right, because yeah. we've had all the ones about the emergency room and intensive care and accepting visitors, and I think there was one about an ambulance as well. I suppose this ugly ducking is now back to being a swan. They host Burnley this Saturday. They've beaten Liverpool and Arsenal. Carvajal's a genius. Sean Dyche, meantime, is nine games without a win. You excited about that game, Davies? Burnley's trip to the Liberty? I can't wait. You midweek went to an FA Cup fourth round replay, didn't you? Yeah, I went to Spurs, Spurs against Newport County. Yeah, and it was uh, it was quite an interesting game because I thought that uh, Newport, far from disgraced themselves, okay. uh, they, they, I mean you could see there's a there's a gulf in quality and class, but they still try to play football. They didn't uh, they didn't look like a League Two side, and uh, Joe Dangle performed exceptionally. Okay, two 0 was the final score, which sets up Spurs nicely for the big game at Wembley coming up Saturday lunchtime. Well, I tell you what, also Ooh. sets them up nicely for ah. that and for the Juventus game is oh, that yeah. uh, Toby Alderweireld mm. played ninety minutes ah, against did he? Newport. Yeah. yeah, that was the only reason I went last night to see him make a seventy-yard diagonal ball, and he didn't make one. Oh. Maybe just because he's keeping, he's playing within himself, doesn't want to stretch himself too much. All right, is that is that one of your favourite things in football? That Alderweireld. It, it has been since I started watching Tottenham there this season. Because mm. he, he's always looking for it, always. Well, wow, that's a diagonal ball from Christian Eriksen, but it wasn't quite as impressive. Yeah. It was from a shorter distance and didn't lead to a goal. Okay. I mean, if, if you had only gone to see diagonal balls, at least, at least, at least there, was, there that. was that. <laughs> All right. Will you be returning on Saturday to see if Aldevaro can pull off something similar v the Gunners? No, I'll be uh, going up to St James's Park to watch Newcastle oh, against right. Manchester United. Okay. Well, let's have a chat anyway about North London derby because it does kind of follow on. Here's Ali Patel who says, now that Spurs have adjusted to Wembley, it actually seems like the tables have turned and opposition sides are the ones struggling to cover the space like Spurs used to. Having said that, Arsenal are the kings of Wembley in recent seasons and given Spurs have put out really strong sides in their last two games, I'm expecting an adrenaline dump and the Gunners to outplay them. Well, the Gunners put in probably their best performance of the season against them in the North London derby at the Emirates. Right. 2-0 win. 2-0 win. When they were excellent, um, they played Ozil, Lacazette and Sanchez up front. Now, obviously, I think two of those three players will not be playing because one in Sanchez is now at Manchester United and Lacazette is out of favour, let's say, um, particularly when you look at how well Aubameyang and Mkhitaryan have taken to playing for them. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I remember looking at the team sheet that day and I think, it's very top-heavy from Wenger. But... uh, those front three were so good at stopping uh, Spurs' centre-backs from playing, forcing mistakes and uh, just playing really, really well that uh, Spurs just couldn't, couldn't handle it. It was, a, it was a surprise. All right. Are you expecting, because obviously Wenger went with quite a top-heavy lineup against Everton last weekend, are you expecting a similar approach then this time? I think so. I mean, he'll re- require the same, uh, I think, discipline uh, without the ball that he got from those three players. Um their record away from the Emirates has been very poor. Yes. Um, not only in big games where they lost heavily to Liverpool, lost heavily to City, but I think it, uh, it ranks as the ninth, uh, only the ninth best in the league. Really? Well, as Ale points out, though, the record at Wembley is exceptionally That's true. good. Nine straight wins since they lost the League Cup final to Birmingham in 2011. Mm. And their, I mean, their record at Spurs yeah. of late has been very poor. I think oh. they've won one of the last nine, but I suspect they will 
they will feel much more comfortable playing at Wembley given their record there than they would than you know than they did going to White Hart Lane where the fans really got on top of them where you know there's no no space to get out with the Spurs press so they'll probably go there and on the back of that that game against Everton in in much higher spirits than uh, than in you know than you might have thought. We talked about the front three against Everton, but uh, Ravin wants us to discuss whether Aaron Ramsey, who called, got a hat trick that day, is a flash in the pan. Well, he wasn't against Spurs. Uh, earlier in the season, he was excellent. Was he that. then? Yeah, as well. And uh, we have to say, Aubameyang has a great record against Spurs. Oh, four he? in four when he played them for Dortmund in the Europa League and obviously in the Champions League mm. uh, uh, this season. You know, caused them all kinds of problems. Uh, you expect you know, a team that def- likes to defend as high up the pitch as Spurs, a player with his pace can really exploit uh, exploit that. But when we saw uh, them play in the Europa League in the Champions League against Spurs, talking about Dortmund now, he was really good at sort of coming into the space between the lines, pulling Spurs' centre-backs out of the position for sort of midfield runners and, uh, yeah, caused them all kinds of problems. So yeah, I think uh, given how well him and Mkhitaryan have re-established mm. uh, the chemistry they had at Dortmund, yeah, I think Arsenal can definitely uh, pose a threat. I attended the uh, Opta Analytics Forum yesterday. Did you? I did. You yes. were there as well, weren't you? Briefly, James. I dropped. A cr- yeah, I popped over. I didn't actually go in. Oh, you were telling you were you were mentioning that uh, following the runaway success of XG, yeah, that they've now introduced X Gegen pressing. Is that right? Yeah, that's what I saw. Yeah. What do they call that one? Gegen X. I mean, uh, no, they just call it. Uh, I mean, Gegen X actually sounds pretty good. It sounds like a a, a film. That, that sounds like Triple X would be, be in. Okay. Yeah. Um, but um, or Vin Diesel. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's ex expected gag and press. But, but how does that help? It's a bit anyone? clumsy. I don't understand. It's like they want to ghettoise themselves again after finally achieving some sort of these stats, folks. Sorry, David, <laughs> you you went to the Opta. Can we, can we go back to expected gag and press? Yeah, this okay. Is, it's blown my mind. What does it mean? How can you measure? Were you like, there when this actually happened? Is it no, like a, I wasn't there, but I saw that there was a, a talk which was which was focusing on. And this. you didn't stay for it. No. I mean, in James's defence, it does sound extremely dry, despite the fact I have just asked no, him but to that's explain the, it to that's me. what's so exciting about it, how dull it, it sounds. It was John Mark Sisman who was doing the ex-gig and press presentation. Mm. So he's uh, at John Mark Sisman, S-I-S-M-A-N. Very nice. But what the one interesting thing I got from that was um, it, there was there was somebody um, sort of discussing uh, defensive uh, the, the way people defended and they went into how Arsenal when they changed from back, back four to back three last year and how it did reduce the goals that they that they conceded, but really it wasn't as such a success as what everyone made out because they were still con- they conceded more chances and better chances. So whether they were just lucky or individually performed better at that time, especially in behind um, Bellerin on the on the right hand side, mm. and I think that could be a big factor in this uh, this Saturday if uh, Danny Rose is particularly if Danny Rose is going to be playing. I wonder if we'll get to see a bit of Lucas Moura as well. well apparently, he's not fit. Is yet. he not fit? Not oh, that's fit. a shame. I'm not sure if Czech will be fit because of course he came off against Everton. Is that a bad thing? I don't know. Is that a bad thing, David? Do you know what? It's not. Uh, I've, I've been actually meaning to write a piece about this because oh. I mean, a lot of um, if you if you want to look at stats, then uh, he's still performing well, 
and and I think that the type of goalkeeper that he is, he's never been a, an explosive goalkeeper or a flashy goalkeeper. He's always been very safe. I think in one area, probably since he's come to Arsenal, is that uh, dealing with crosses and high balls in the box, it's become a little bit more of a problem. I mean, even on his debut, I think uh, he came out and missed a cross and he nipped in a cross. Was that against West Ham? It, that's become a little bit mm-hmm. of a problem. But like the Liverpool um, goalkeepers and Arsenal goalkeepers before Czech, it's not all down to the goalkeepers either. There's the the defence in front of him has to take some responsibility for that as well. I see. Petr Cech is on 199 clean sheets in mm. the Premier League. He's gone eight games without one, and he's never gone nine games without one. So something has to give sooner right. or later. Okay. Football is about trying to trick your opponent, says Maurizio Pochettino. It is, though, isn't it, David? Yeah. I mean, you shouldn't say it, but it is, though, do, isn't it? Do you know what? I was proper... No, old school football th- uh, thinking about this because um, before I went to Denmark, I used to despise it. And then when I moved to Denmark, um, the, everyone there convinced me that it was more clever than cheating. Mm. And then when you start thinking about it, um, if a player's coming into, a box, into the box and defender dangles a leg out there, it's lazy from the defender, it's lazy play, and, and it's bad judgment. In the case of Courtois and Carius, you know, Courtois came out. This is the reason why I wrote the piece about Courtois because he came out afterwards and said that it was a dive. We know what players like this do. If they get a little touch, then they're going to go over. But if he comes out in that situation and he doesn't take any of the ball, Mm. then he's made an error of judgment. And for me, I'd expect to be punished by that. Okay. But so, so in both cases, not people. Somebody's asked on uh, on Twitter about Harry Kane diving. Not that's not diving my book. That. Fair enough, Tom, you're nodding. The idea that diving should be celebrated as, as some form of you know, exceptional trickery doesn't sit all that comfortably with me, but I think, I think we need to accept that it is part of the game. There's also a difference between, shall we say, exaggerating contact yeah. and, just compl- simulation. and just outright simulation. And yeah. I think that, you know, that the instance at the weekend, um, particularly the, the Kane penalty, there wasn't a huge amount of contact and... 15, 20 years ago, that would not have been a penalty. But you know, the game has moved on, and I think there's now an acceptance that if there is contact in the penalty area and if a goalkeeper or a defender has been a bit rash, the, the forward's entitled to go down. Whereas the Dele Alli instant, not so much. Mm. I think just to elaborate on this a little bit more, when we see the introduction of video assistant referees, one of the benefits that they've seen in Italy, which I don't think has been sort of given a lot of publicity here, is that they have seen diving reduced by 23% in the first half That's of the season. That's a remarkably season. specific number well that was that was looking at incidents uh from the first half of the season mm. um so that was one of the numbers have tumbled even while players haven't oh there you go <laughs> exactly okay so. all right well that's good news see what Pochettino makes of that when they bring some VAR on his off yeah yeah sorry David you had something else you want to add to this no, or should we move on no nothing I was just going to say that you know it's it, for people to say that I know people defend that it, just because there's contact doesn't mean you have to go down yeah. but at the same time the speeds at which players are going at each other yes if you're impeding them, their, their natural movements exactly. and stopping from scoring then in my book is still a foul and of course VAR only goes so far as mm. we saw in Portugal Portugal on ah. Tuesday yep Deportivo Aves and Boavista. Deportivo Aves are 2-0 up, score a goal from a corner that appears to be offside, but when the referee goes to VAR to, to look at the replay, they can't see what's happened because a Boavista fan is waving a ruddy great Boavista flag in front of the VAR camera. It is a big flag, isn't it? And it does suggest a course of action for supporters who feel that VAR is an unwelcome intrusion from the modern world into uh, the sport. All you have to do is just do a bit of an Italian job. Spray the cameras, whatever he's going to do, stand in front of them with a big flag, 
Hey, presto. Yeah. Fun though that is, we're going to leave it and we'll be back with more top stuff after this. You're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Steve Cooksey from Non-League Mystery Tours gets in touch and says they're celebrating their first birthday on Saturday week. He does mention they've lost money on every trip so far, trying to keep the cost down for those who come along. So do him a favour and don't go, I think would probably be my <laughs> suggestion. But I'm not sure that's entirely... No, anyway, non-league mystery tours. Tip heavily. That would That's maybe the better thing. Oh, speaking of which, live show, live show news. Mm-hmm. Over half the tickets have now gone for our live show at Vicar Street on Monday, <clears throat> excuse me, March the 19th. You can hear me... James Horncastle and Julian Laurent talking about football and other things and will be joined by Pat Nevin, but only after he's done a DJ set beforehand. You know all this. We've mentioned it before and you probably are aware that you can get the remaining tickets, not sure if I can still use the plural on that, at ticketmaster.ie. Leeds got a new manager, Paul Heckingbottom, who they've pinched off Barnsley. What do you think, David? As a former tyke yourself, David, what do you think? Um, I'm, I'm well. I'm disappointed for for Barzi because I think Heck uh, he's a very good manager, but um, there's only so many jobs you can turn down, so many big jobs you can turn down, and I think this just was one for, too many for for Hecky. Right. And, and it's, it's, I think it's a great move for for Leeds. Um, it's a slap in the face for Billy Bean, though. It, it is, but it probably goes on. Uh, I think Paul's frustrations at Barnsley probably go a lot further back than the the, the takeover. Okay. But it's like I said, he's, he's of the very young managers um, around forty years old. He's, uh, I think, he's the the best one out there. Really? Okay. Yeah. Super. Producer Ben just chipping in that uh, Leeds have pinched Barnsley's hecking bottom. Oh, very good. Uh, I, I mean, I, I pro- so do you think that's the one for Leeds? Because they they can't they can't keep a manager at the moment, can they? Yeah, but, but as long as the the relationship between the manager and director of football runs smoothly, then then they can be a success. The, Thomas Christensen did bring in some good players, but they could either win three nil or lose three nil on any mm. given day. And I think he, he, Thomas was a, a little bit naive, where he, he'd sold himself uh, to the to the owner on that he would go and try and win every game instead of um, managing games prof- more professionally and uh, and not going hell for leather every game. And I think he paid the price for that. But I think um, Paul is um, a very methodical um, young manager with a lot of very good ideas and with v- very good ideas uh, in recruitment. And I think this summer um, we'll, we'll see big changes in late. Right, OK. Uh, Tom, can we get a quick bit of French news? I read that Thomas Limar has turned down a new deal at Monaco. Does that mean something about potentially him arriving at, say, Arsenal or Liverpool or one of them clubs? It may well do. Okay. Um, I think the expectation is that he will leave this summer. Um, he was not uh, a member of the exodus that followed the title win last season. He's stuck around. He's, he's having a, a decent season. Um, he's been out of the team of late because of injury. Um, but yes, I think you know. I think he he probably thinks it's it's time to move on. Um, and I'm sure we all look forward to the the inevitable transfer saga that will uh, that will follow. Where you know when all the, all the clubs start going in for him. Who, any, who any most needs a Thomas Limar? Uh, I mean, you know, it, it appears. What that is a Thomas Lamar? What is a Thomas mm. Lamar? Um, well, he's got a lovely, lovely left foot. Um, he played on the left of midfield in Monaco's title-winning season, but he, he's not a proper winger. He's not really a dribbler. Um, he would cut inside quite a lot and have Benjamin Mendy 
motoring past him from fullback to provide the width. He's been playing number 10 quite a lot this season, which is his preferred position, um, like sort of getting in behind the, the centre forward and sort of threading passes through. Um, and he's, he's a very, very complete attacking midfielder. Um, it appears that, that Liverpool may have earmarked him as a potential Coutinho replacement. He mm. operates in a similar area of the pitch. Obviously, he's left-footed, Coutinho's right-footed. Um, but yeah, I mean, that would I think that would be a that would be a, a pretty natural fit. Super. Uh, it was cup action, wasn't it? Midweek was it League Cup or French Cup this week? Uh, French Cup. Right. Uh, goals galore. Uh, Marseille followed up their 6-3 win over Metz in the league with a 9-0 win Stop. at uh, Bourg-en-Bresse. Oh, where are they from? They are, as in geographically... No, no, I mean Bourg-en-Bresse, I, I suppose. I think, they're only, Bresse, in, I think they're only in Ligue 2. Are they? They're only in second yeah. division. Okay. Um, hat-tricks for Lucas Ocampos and Costas Mitroglou. Oh, yeah. Um, so you know you're in trouble if you're conceding hat-tricks to Costas Mitroglou, yeah. at least on also this season's form. Also the 9-0 scoreline would be an indication as well. Bit, a bit of a clue. Um, PSG also threw 4-1 win at Sochaux on Tuesday. Di Maria uh, with a hat-trick. Hat-trick and... to Di Maria. Danny Alves in goal. Yes, and up in, the in last, goal yeah. for the last few minutes. And apparently Unai Emery wanted uh, Thomas Meunier to go in goal, oh. but for some reason, or at least it wasn't Alves, but Alves ended up in goal. He wouldn't be my first choice. No, well, he doesn't really have the height. No. Um, but he, he donned the gloves. He did. Uh, he did. I don't think he minutes. touched the ball from no. what I could see. Um, I was also struck by, uh, and this not something I noticed before, but he looks a lot like Danny Murphy with hair. If Danny Murphy had hair, da- Danny Alves. Do, do you know what one thing I've I've thought about Mo Salah that he looks like Danny Higginbottom. I think he looks like Gianluca Vialli. Yes. Mm. Yes. yes. Mm. But yeah, Danny Higginbottom as well. Yeah. Footballers, eh? More French news, or can I move on to the incredible own goal in Abu Dhabi? Um, oh, probably worth flagging up that Lyon, who've lost their last two in the league against Bordeaux and Monaco, they bounced back uh, to beat Montpellier. Uh, in the cup on Wednesday, right goals from Maxwell Gournay and a Nabil Fekir penalty. Oh, so good. Uh, they're they're putting those those recent disappointments behind them. Okay, Abu Dhabi Clasico between Al Dafra and Al Jazeera score was it's a needle match. So of course, as I you know don't really need to point out nil nil with twenty minutes or so remaining, and, until basically a fella called Yasser Abdullah Al Junaybi runs back to cover a, a forward and just basically absolutely belts the ball into his own net I mean there's just watching there's no possible explanation for what he was trying to do unless he was very very confused as to which direction was it a he was Phil facing. Jones against Spurs kind of thing no it was even better it was outside the box wasn't it I think. he absolutely leathers it yeah. no? First he runs time. onto it and just mm. oh we've got it oh wow yeah watching that there it ends 3-1 to Al Jazeera that do, do the pod members have a favourite own goal that one all time? I don't know. I, yeah? Do you have one, Tom? I do, actually, Go yes. on, let's hear your favourite own goal of all uh, time. A guy called Wayne Hatswell. OK. He was playing for Forest Green Rovers against someone in the FA Cup uh, a few years back. Early rounds, uh, non-league round, and his goalkeeper makes a save, and the ball sort of trickles behind the goalkeeper towards the line. Hatswell nips in behind to sort of clear up the situation, takes a very assured first touch, and he's uh, at this point giving off the impression that he's completely in control of the situation and then absolutely wallops the ball into the top right corner from about five yards out. <laughs> Sensational. But but why? I think he's trying to put it behind for a corner or Why would or you just, want to do that even? I don't I don't it doesn't make any sense. This is, is it, this is the beauty of it. It's a complete right. 
six-yard box brain fart and the ball just right postage stamp. It's tremendous. Surely Ian Dowies is the best. Oh, mm. Ian Dowies is a... Is under a, is under a no beaut. pressure at all, could have put it anywhere in, this, in, the, in the ground. Put it in the bottom right-hand corner. Superb finish. Lovely man. Uh, in Spain, Clarence Adolf has become manager of Deportivo La Coruña. That's exciting news. Yeah. Um, he said, I like hot potatoes. Who doesn't, to yeah. be fair? <laughs> yeah. um, they're in the bottom three, Deport. He's not got the greatest records of late. After Milan, where he kind of won half his match, it's not too bad, he went to Shenzhen in China and he won four of 14. He was linked with the Oldham job earlier this season, apparently. Yeah. I wasn't... I don't know whether he didn't get it or he just he, he didn't fancy it or they didn't fancy him. In other Dutch people appointed to managerial positions news, Ronald Koeman is the new uh, national team boss for Holland. There you go. In Italy... Lots of stuff. Fiorentina Juventus on Friday night. We're talking about that in Golazzo this week. And not just that game, but also one of the all-time great clashes between Juventus and Fiorentina, including one of the all-time great goals. Del Piero esterno straordinario e la Juventus è in vantaggio. Quando sembrava che ormai le due squadre fossero quasi paghe del 2-2, Del Piero... You can listen to all that in Golad, so, uh, but while we're here, let's just uh, mention that, uh, have you been out agreed a deal with Emery Chan of Liverpool? They're very confident uh, that that is done. Obviously, I think from the end of January 31st, they they can announce, if they so like, yep. um, a, a free transfer for the end of the season. But Super. As we've seen with other players like, say, Leon Goretzka at Schalke, when teams do that, it doesn't really do the player a lot of favours, No, it does doesn't, it? does it? That's so very true. Dino Cafola wants to just give us a quick fact check. It's Giladino who has the Peppa Pig tattoo, not Daniele De Rossi. De Rossi has a Teletubby. He does, yeah. His first, uh, first child is a big fan of the Teletubbies. There you go. Yeah. Uh, we'll have exciting news about team nicknames later on. Now, though, back to the football... Listeners, do you like shaving and looking smooth and clean? Yes! But do you enjoy having to go to the shops for new razors and other shaving supplies? No! Well, Cornerstone gives you everything you need for a great shave and they'll deliver it all right to your door. Cornerstone's super sharp, award-winning blades are engineered in Germany, which is always a good sign, and their range of balms, creams and exfoliators are all environmentally friendly, alcohol-free and suitable for the most sensitive skin. Get £10 off your first order and check out the range for yourself at cornerstone.co.uk slash totally and find out why tens of thousands of men have switched over to Cornerstone. Uh, Man City taking on Leicester this weekend. They've had a week of rest, Man City have. So has Mares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so maybe Pep will be able to field a full bench, I don't know, this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was 2-0 to Man City at the King Power. Leicester, though, are one of the few teams to have got the better of City in a big way in Pep's tenure. They had a 4-2 win. Do you remember that in the dying days of Ranieri? Yeah, was that when Vardy got a hat-trick? It was. But John, that... John Stone's horror show okay. in the pouring rain. Right, mm. nice one. But this Mares business, mm. it's wrong, isn't it? Do you think they made that bid specifically with this game in mind, knowing it would destabilise him, that they never mm. had a chance of signing him and you know he wasn't going to come back and train for them, play for them? And yeah, it's all worked out for them. I wouldn't put it past mm, holistic devious. city. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what um, 
What do you think about this? This this Mahrez? But can you see his point, David? Have you ever been in that situation? No, Manchester City have never tried to sign me. Okay. No, unfortunately. No, but uh, I, I can't see why he wouldn't want to train or he shouldn't be training. And it's uh, I'm sure there's some sort of um, sort of he's breaking a contract. He's got by not uh, turning up for training. You sure. think? Yeah, of course. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's I know there's different players. It it, it affects um, transfer talk, affects players, and and maybe they're not in the right frame of mind. But it's still it, they still turn up for training. And I, I, for for the life of me, I can't see why he wouldn't do that. I mean, the, the one thing we don't know is whether he has been given promises about how the club would respond to offers for him. Mm. Um, but certainly Leicester have done nothing wrong in rejecting an offer that they don't think matches their, their valuation. Um, and it's quite rare for a player to, to react this badly, I, to I'm, basically just go AWOL. I'm quite sure that if that was the case, we'd have known about it by now. They, they would have, his agent or somebody close to him would have made it well known. Matt Tamkin says Brighton get a rare win last weekend. They score a potential goal of the season and they didn't get a single mention. Is that true? Did we not mention Brighton at all in Monday's show, the Seagulls? Yeah, I mean, were it not for Wanyama's goal, which yeah. I think a lot of people were buzzing about, I think mm. Izquierdo's was a uh, beauty. It was nice, yeah. wasn't it? All right, well, let's try and do better with this because they are going to be visiting Stoke this weekend, uh, following on their victory over West Ham. Glenn Murray's got five and seven. Mm. Good old Glenn Murray. He's not just there for the nasty things in life. Also, Gross has come back to scoring. What a goal that was, eh? Yes, yes. A, well, a real sort of signature Pascal Gross performance because you had the goal, you also had the assist for Murray, I think oh, I'm right in saying, with a, a nicely weighted through ball. Um, and yeah, they've, they've obviously got a decent understanding, the two of them. Um, and as, as any club down the bottom, you, you need a striker who's going you know, to score on a consistent basis. So you know, the, longer, the longer Murray keeps scoring like he is, the better for Brighton. Yeah. Really important period for Brighton because this is a winnable game mm. against Stoke. I think they then play Swansea at the Amex and they'll be looking to sort of get as many points as they can from those because their end of the season is quite difficult. They play United, they play Spurs, I think they play Chelsea three of their, or Liverpool in their three of their last four games. Really? So, so Although these, these two games, Stoke and Swansea, both significantly more difficult true. looking now than they would have been, say, a, a, a month ago. Mm. Stoke are currently just goal difference inside the bottom three, three points behind Brighton in what remains a, a very tense-looking relegation battle. It's a clash, this, and I can't believe no one's mentioned it yet, of two former Norwich managers, which adds extra spice, I think, to the fixture. Uh, Saints are taking on Liverpool. Liverpool, who are two points above the rest of the league, inside the top top four. Uh, Saints, who are two points above the relegation zone. Yeah. Yet to win in the league with Virgil van Dijk um, starting uh, really? for them. No. Uh, conceding more goals than they yeah. used to without him. Can they give him back? I don't know. It's very much, of course, an old Saints versus new Saints bounce. Yeah, well, did fictions. you see what happened to Lallana in the week where he was playing for the under-23s and he got sent off? Mm. Uh, he, um, he, I think someone went up for a header next to him and sort of elbowed him and he, he then sort of just grabbed him by the face. Did he? Yeah, it was pretty... Uh, it was a bit Troy Deeney-esque. Yeah, it was, a, it was quite a... Uh, it quite was an old-fashioned old throttling. Yeah. Oh, really? Is what it was. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he was sent off, but I don't think that... that uh, carries a suspension at senior level I don't does think. it not no I don't think how, so how would that not carry a suspension I could be wrong but that's what I've read so no, no that's it that's yeah. it that's case, yeah. David Priest news that Liverpool have got in a new goalkeeping consultant Hans Leitert it's good that he's called Hans and he's a goalkeeping <laughs> consultant <laughs> that's yeah? very good isn't it <laughs> yeah uh, who is he 
I don't know. I'll tell you who he is then. He's ex-Rapid Vienna. He worked with Randy Ramos. Randy Ramos. Randy Ramos. He worked with Randy... Randy Ramos. Randy Ramos. Yeah. He had a time at Spurs and more recently been advising FIFA, the Spanish FA, and UEFA, and the head of, uh, romantically enough, Red Bull Global Soccer between 2010 and 2015. Doesn't sound like his diary was too busy. But anyway, he apparently has joined Liverpool as a goalkeeping consultant. Speaking of Red Bull's football operation, uh, RB Leipzig have just appointed the former Southampton and Spurs head of talent ID, Paul Mitchell, to come in and help. Yeah, to work under Ralph Raniuk, yeah. Very nice. Very nice. And speaking of German people in general, Carius, you reckon that uh, thumbs up for him? Yeah, I the mean, future is carriers. Yeah, it's um, it's it's one game, but in that one game, I saw far more than I did in the in the past, uh, have in the past eighteen months. And he looked like the keeper they thought they were buying. All right, I mean, they, they didn't bring him in for much money, but the fact that he was he was uh, familiar with the English game as well should have mm. eased his way into into the, the Liverpool side more. But he's just uh, he just looks, hasn't looked the same. He's looked very sort of nervy, and, and I just thought the other day he looked his handling was a lot cleaner, decisions were a lot better, and I. Think I think okay, it's it's. I'm not saying that he he's now going to be the future of Liverpool's goalkeeping, but the fact that it's he's made a, a big stride forward because and simply because he's 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 playing more games and he's he's getting more consistent uh, performance. Fair enough. Anyway, Liverpool are at Saints this Sunday. Saints coming off their first win in twelve. Uh, Klopp has a curious record against Southampton. They did win three nil against them at Anfield in November. But last season, they faced them four times and failed to score in any of them. Uh, Also this weekend, on your Premier League fixture list, you've got Huddersfield taking on Bournemouth. Huddersfield, who are just inside the bottom three on goal difference. Bournemouth, who are now seven points clear after their uh, recent antics. Antics, rather. Um... I'm beaten in seven actually since boxing. That's very good. The informed team in the in the division. Who Bournemouth over the last six matches? Yeah. All right. Fourteen points, which is better than anybody else. Good wow. for them. Newcastle are hosting Man United. Another of those interesting kind of meetings between Mourinho and Benitez. Then. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I thought they started actually quite well when they played United at Old Trafford um, earlier in the season. How did that one finish? 4-1 in the end. Pogba did come back from that, from his nine-week injury layoff. He will probably come back for this game after he was dropped um, against Huddersfield. Um, Lindelof was playing, I think, instead of Bailly in that that game. What was it? Back in November. And he was at fault for Dwight Gale's uh, opening goal. And uh, I think with Jones out at the weekend, with Bailly still out, he ended up playing Rojo with... um, Hmm. With Smalling instead of of Lindelof, I think it's clear that he probably doesn't still doesn't trust him. Um, but uh, Benitez was quite uh, bold in his uh, team selection for that game. Played two up top, um, Gale and Hosselu. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure Slimani's uh, fit no. uh, to come in and play uh, for them in this one. On Slimani, yeah. Uh, all right, that's Newcastle taking on Man United. That's uh, earlier on Sunday and Saturday at three o'clock. Everton are up against Palace Everton, who had an absolutely woeful time at the Emirates. Uh, it clashes of two former England managers, of, of course. Roy Hodgson at Palace, who can now count on the services of Sir Lot. So that's thanks to Morton Nilsson. He says in Norwegian it's pronounced very much like rapper Sir Mix-a-Lot, without the mixer, obviously. Mm. Yeah, because right. the, the all the line is... Uh, Bingo. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, 
they've got one or two injury problems. Have Palace Zaha could be out for some time. Mm. Sacco's out for the season, and they're struggling in the goalkeeper department as well. I think Spironi's going to be out for the rest of the season, and they made mad attempts to get a lot of goalkeepers in in January window. And failed on all fronts. So who's it going to be, Hennessy then? Just, just Hennessy. So they're going to have to keep fingers crossed that uh, the East is fit. Do you see Everton bouncing back from that woeful performance? Is Big Sam going to? Yeah, well, they, they, stick a foot in there, break a foot off in there, you know, behind. They, they don't want to make him even more angry, do they? Do they not? Make, I don't think so. Are they no. that bothered? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, there is a lot of talk that um, that Sam will only be there till the end of the season anyway. Mm. And Marco Silva coming in to relieve him. Marco Silva. Yeah, I mean there was a lot of talk before uh, before Sam came in, but it was mm. and obviously while Marco Silva was at Watford, yeah. but I think it's um, that you know the two-year contract was given to Sam because basically they, they were desperate. The Toffees there against the Eagles, and speaking of nicknames, everybody writing in with great nicknames. Here's Ed, for example, who's got Leganes, who are Los Pepineros, which is the cucumber growers. Oh. Also, Los Legionarios. Uh, basically, there are a lot of cucumbers grown in Leganes. Right, OK. So there's a Spanish football expression, via pepinazzo. What does what that mean? you shout when someone scores from, from, uh, from long range. It means, what a great big cucumber. Bingo. So like the cucumbers in, in well, Spain. Yeah, because well, we have cool as a cucumber mm. when for a good finish. I wonder if that's related. A banana shot. Yeah. Banana shot, yeah. In, Mo Salah. In, in Germany, yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> in, in contrast, uh, cucumbers are used exclusively negatively. Oh. Cucumber pass is a pass that doesn't find its intended target. Really? A cucumber troop is a poor team. You might describe a team as cucumbering around. Right. Um, so, yeah. I just remember Tom is writing a book. Are you writing a book on cucumber <laughs> analogies in football? Yes, yes, I am. Exclusively. <laughs> what is your book about, Tom? Uh, and it's about the language of football. Ah. Yes, it's about football phrases from around the world. Hence Bingo. my slightly disturbingly profound knowledge of... Go on, uh, then. What else? What other uses for the cucumber is there? In, uh... um, that's about it. That's, okay. That's basically it, yeah. Are there any, ve- any other though. vegetable... Um, mm. Potatoes crop up yep. here and there. You get a patate in French is like a, a great long-range goal. Yep. Or a champ de patate, a potato field for a poor pitch. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that's universal. Uh, universal. Much, yeah. In Norway, yes. uh, oh. put it, which I think is how they pronounce it, potato, describes um, a versatile player. Because oh. in Scandinavian cuisine, the potato is, ah. is, is used quite widely. <laughs> I mean, yeah, in all cuisines. But yeah, that's, yeah. that is... I that's, like that. That's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. And what, what vegetables do, the, do they have in Italy? I mean, they have a lot of vegetables. Yeah, James, but... Um, well, you have a think of that. On other nickname news, PDF Mark's favourite nickname is Tout Puissant Mazembe, All Powerful Mazembe, which was founded in the Democratic Republic of Congo by Benedictine monks. Not only is their name fantastic, but they have a crocodile on their badge and their nickname is the Ravens. Slightly mixed messages mm. I'm getting there. Somebody whose name I cut off reveals that the reason why Rosario Central are known as the Scoundrels and Newell's Old Boys are known as the Lepers. Did you know that, that was the nickname? Because mm-hmm. apparently Rosario Central were due to play a friendly to raise money for lepers, but pulled out the last minute, and Newell's own boys replaced them. That's why Newell's old boys are nicknamed the lepers, and Central are the scoundrels. I might have got that the wrong way around, but anyway. Fascinating story. Uh, Albacete Bellampier, who are called Queso Mechanico, Clockwork Cheese. Uh, we reached that point again where I'm thinking, I'm not sure if I believe these. <laughs> Although Ken in Thailand 
sends in a wonderful list of uh, nicknames from the Thai League, which kicks off this weekend, actually. Oh. He says they could have been literally generated using a meme. Prachuap are the killer wasps. Chiang Rai are the beetles. You've got the firebats, the silver shield dragons, the hornbills, the glass rabbits, the oil millionaires, the raging mackerel. <laughs> <laughs> the T-Rex, that's a good one. The proud junk ship and the the proud, oh, the, the dangerous cuprae, which is a breed of ox on the brink of extinction. There you go, those are nicknames. Now... Time to get the odds on all the week's uh, weekend's football. Ian McIntosh is with Paddy Power. Thanks, James. On the line now, it's Paddy Power. How are you, Paddy? I'm doing great. How are you going on, Ian? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. We've got some, uh, got some big games coming up this weekend. Can Chelsea lose again? They've got West Brom. Everything's going wrong there. Um, they play on Monday night. What are the odds on West Brom winning that? Well, funny, I think that it's great for West Brom because uh, Chelsea are obviously easy touch in the league at the minute, aren't they? That's the, the fixture that everybody wants is to play Chelsea, get them get their, their seasons back on track. But they're 9-1 to one to turn them over, West Brom. Chelsea are 3-10. to 10. And to be honest with you, while it's hard to... I mean, you would have said it the last couple of games as well, it's hard to see Chelsea get beat at the same time. You wouldn't be putting them in your acume at 3-10 at to 10 or something like that. Sure, you wouldn't. I mean, they're, they're very unreliable at the minute. It seems to be your man has lost the dressing room. He's probably lost his job pretty soon as well. So nine to one West Brom to beat Chelsea. Yeah, I mean we've all heard this song before, haven't we? You see Chelsea managers falling apart like this um, so much so that it's probably worth talking about odds on his replacement. Um, who's leading? Yeah, so the, the, the replacement one is interesting because Luis Enrique has, has been kind of favoured for a good while for this, and uh, and he's just done nothing but short now. He's still even money, so he's still backable. Like usually, if it's gonna, if it's if it's definitely gonna happen, he'd be odds on at this stage. But he's he's even money. Lewis Lewis Enrique, Gus Hiddink is seventeen to two. Joaquim Love, Yogi Love, I guess nine to one is uh, Massimiliano Allegri. They deliberately make really hard to pronounce people uh, in the manager market. He's nine to one as well. But I think uh, Lewis Enrique is the most likely at this stage. Even okay. What about? Some more positive stuff. Uh, Mkhitaryan made a lovely start to life at Arsenal with three assists the other day. Tottenham at the weekend. What can we get on him getting two or more assists? Yeah, do you know what? It, it obviously could happen because he seems to maybe have just found a new lease of life. This could be the exact thing to re- restart his career, I guess. He's 7-1 to one Mkhitaryan for two assists or more uh, against Spurs. Now, I mean, to get a, a couple of goals against Spurs would be, uh, would be difficult enough anyway, but for him to get the assists is a 7-1 to one shot. Now, it's Liverpool-Southampton this weekend. I honestly think it would have been cheaper for Liverpool to buy Southampton Football Club than their transfer policy of late. So, what are the odds on an ex-Southampton player scoring for Liverpool against Southampton? There's a decent chance, because they got, like I tell you, the, the individual odds, first of all. So, uh, Sadio Mane is the most likely, he's 11-2. Uh, Lallana's 8-1. Lovren's 45-1. And Van Dijk's 20-1. So, if you put them all together, you get probably a 20 30. It's probably only about a two to one shot or something like that, or maybe even less seven to four shot for, for an ex Saints player to score. So uh, it could be, uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, it'll be interesting the, the reception that they, that, uh, that they get from the Southampton fans if, they, if one of them does score, if they celebrate properly, all that, all that kind of stuff that we, we think is important afterwards, but actually isn't really that important. <laughs> i tell you what is important though, Swansea um, and their FA Cup run, they did, they did all right in the replay. I thought just about edged it against Notts County. What can we get on them to win the FA Cup and get relegated? Yeah, just about edged as well. Well, look, they're 33 to 1 to win the cup, right? They're still outsiders, so it's not count. Let's not get carried away. It's not counts to be. And the fact is that it's very, very much more likely to get relegated than win the FA Cup. So they're, they're 6 to 5 to be relegated. So when you double the two of them up, you're getting about 66 to 1 or thereabouts for the double, which is that kind of double where, look, the reality is 
survival is going to be the, the focus for Swansea for the next couple of years. So maybe a good old cup run might be worth a relegation. Do you know what I mean? Just to get to win the cup will be a special moment to tell your grandkids about. Well, you can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com, 18 plus only, begambleaware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. Uh, that's it for today's Totally Football Show. Tom, anything you want to add before we uh, wrap up? No, I think that's it. That's it, isn't it? David Priest? It I'd just like to compliment James on his lovely cardigan. I think it's very nice. It, it is an interesting it? cardigan, yeah. that. It's Danish. Is it now? It is, oh. yeah. Did Believe you buy it in Denmark? No, I didn't. You can, you know, it's we live in a globalised globalised world now. For now, yeah. Mm. I was trying to think of you know sort of uh, not vegetable but kind of food um, terms in Italian. You have got the minestra riscaldata, don't you? Oh yeah, reheated soup. You know, not yeah. as good as the as the first time around. No, 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 no. Which of course in Florence, it's ironic because that's exactly what they do to it. The ribolito is yeah. very much. The whole point. Mm. But anyway, Tom, that, that's fascinating. And next time, the whole of part, well, next time you're in, remind me about it because next part one is going to be all weird football terminology. You're on. Let's get that booked in. Listeners, make sure you join us uh, on Monday when we'll be reviewing all the weekend's action and more. Uh, so do join us for all of that. For now, have a super weekend and uh, we'll speak to you soon. The Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. That was pretty good, wasn't it? Not nearly enough football league, though. Why don't you give the Totally Football League show a try? You'll find us on Audio Boom, iTunes, all the other places you get your podcasts.